Hello, you're listening to the Not A Game podcast. This is episode 57, which I'm reliably informed is 19 times 3. <laughs> I am Alice O'Connor, and joining me today are a very giggly Philippa War. Hello. And a very stoic Tom Hatfield. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that went really well. So today on the PC Gamer podcast... <laughs> I thought we were doing this American life. <laughs> you did have your, like, Radio Dark Souls voice on there. Yeah, you really did. <laughs> Dark Souls Nights. One man struggles with isolation in a strange land. His only companion, a small dinosaur. <laughs> Welcome to the Not A Game podcast. You have to work for Radio 4 unless I feel like you should. I like, I, I don't know, I, I want you to record audiobooks for my niece. <laughs> um, shall we do the whole what have we been playing this week or shall we just get Alice to say more things <laughs> about video games? I mean, I do, I do requests, I charge for them, uh, or you can buy my CD or a uh, t-shirt. Could I buy a cassette tape? I'm still doing vinyl, thinking that's cool, not knowing everyone's doing tapes nowadays. Mm. Well, come back to me when you've got an 8-track. Anyway, anyway, yes, Alice, Alice, what have you been playing? Um, I've been playing a lot of Hypnospace Enforcer. What's that? Which I say because it's not what you wanted me to say at all. <laughs> I well, I just wanted you to tell me what you've been playing. Well, so <laughs> my Space Enforcer is a game about you are an enforcer in Hypnospace, which is a futuristic alternative to the internet, which people enter in their sleep. Oh, um, hence Hypno. I thought maybe yeah. it was like a trance thing rather than a sleep thing. No, I mean, basically, the way the game plays out is it's like, um, do you know Battletoads? I know I've, the words. I've heard of it. I've heard it's yeah. legendarily hard. Okay, so it's basically based on the hardest sections of that game where you're in, um, I guess in many ways it's a precursor of the Endless Runner, but you have uh, three lanes, not like in Dota, just parallel lanes like on a road, mm. and you're chasing perpetrators who commit crimes in the hypnospace down those lanes, dodging traffic and all those sorts of things, and... Then you catch up to them, and they yell things in internet speak, and you zap them, and then you capture them. So basically, I'm really into, at the moment, very short games. This game's probably about 15 minutes long once you have any degree of competence. Mm. And it's kind of nice. It's got three short levels, but the third level, um, you are chasing down someone who has been infected with malware. And as you chase their car down the Hypnospace Highway, um, you suddenly start have to using, uh, having to use the mouse because they're making spam pop-ups appear on the screen, <laughs> uh, which is very unexpected and delightful. And eventually when you catch them, this game, which has been, and it's got like very lurid colours, uh, all the colours of the rainbow, except for, <laughs> you know, the ones you can't really see or the ones that aren't really colours. Hang on, is it all 16 colours of the rainbow? All 16 colours of the rainbow in pastel shades. Amazing. 
But uh, in the final level, when you catch the person, the game kind of breaks and makes you, well, it starts berating you for catching all of these people whose crimes are mostly that they spent too much time asleep and trying to escape the drudgery of their lives. Mm. Uh, And the road starts to disintegrate into bursts of pixels and glitches and things. And the game calls you a bastard and then it summarily exits. And it's quite surprising not once someone has told you that happens as i have but (laughs) is it a browser game no um it's a game on uh, i forget who it's by it's it's just like a downloadable game on itch.io oh cool and like when you're talking about the pop-ups like are they actual pop-ups or you know like they take the form of pop-ups or is it all just within the within the game itself like that, Uh, that intrigued me Within the game window, it pops up like a load of adverts uh, for okay. various spam sorts of things. So they're all within the game's own window. Mm. But you need to click on all of them to close them because they're covering the screen and it's quite difficult to dodge traffic when yeah. you're staring at uh, adverts for goodness knows what. That sounds really cool. It also sounds like the anti-Dota, you know? Like this 15-minute kind it's of... Just- <laughs> Yeah, you can see it as a very simplified Dota against a load of scrubs, uh, and then at the end, the internet explodes. <laughs> which really Yeah, maybe it's sounds, not the anti-Dota, hmm. but it's like the refined Dota experience. That's but Pip, awesome. what have you been playing this week, or lately, or since oh, the last oh. episode we recorded together? <laughs> well, that sort of opens up the entirety of time, I believe, because we've never recorded a podcast together. What have I been playing? Um, I have played uh, bits and pieces of uh, Dota and like Counter-Strike, and I've actually started playing League of Legends again, which is... Um, I'd sort of dipped into it before, like really summarily dipped in, because... I sort of already have an, uh, a sort of a MOBA time sink. And so um, I I thought, well, you know, I'll, I, I really enjoy watching it on a pro level, but um, I sort of didn't have the time to get good at it. So playing was, was always something that I did not do so much of. But I started uh, the other day when I was on like a Dota uh, losing streak and it actually was fun. And I was able to use a lot of the things that I knew from Dota to actually um, to to do well. I was on a killing spree <laughs> and sort of, you know, school my, my nub-nub friends uh, or nub-nub teammates um, in, in the killing of the Digital Wizards, uh, which was pleasant. Um, I'm not sure, like, how well that ability will scale, you know? Like, whether I will sort of manage to be awesome until I get to I don't know level 12 or something and then it'll suddenly just be like oh yeah <laughs> well there was your advantage <laughs> oh, hope no. you enjoyed it <laughs> so so did you find it more accessible now that they've rebooted the story because obviously that's the important part of those games um <laughs> the story stuff I'm sort of interested to see because I don't think they've done it yet i think no, it was just yet. like the expl- the explanation oh. that they were that that was like the statement of intent because essentially they sort of were doing a heap of stuff or they used to do a heap of stuff with the law and then they um just stopped and sort of you know there are a bunch of things like um the 
Journal of Justice, I think it was called. Um, and so that would have like stories from around the, the game world, like that were uh-huh. nothing to do with the, the fights that you would have as, you know, on the fields of justice, but. The old JJ. Mm. And so, um, like that stuff sort of fell by the wayside while they, um, focused on other things and focused on the esports side of things, I think. Um, and a lot of the law, uh, as it currently stands is just really there to explain any sort of dissonance you might feel in playing, you know, like, the idea at the moment is that you are a summoner and what that is is it's kind of like a neutral entity uh who works for like the wizard un um and what you do is you control all these heroes who come from the different sort of parts of the the world rune terror and they sort of represent the interests of different warring factions and what happens is they battle on you know in the moba uh matches to God, imagine caring about that <laughs> I but like wonder why they bother. I, well i guess it's I like you know, <laughs> but you said well it's you know you set up a conceit and then you are asking people to sort of buy into it and care about it and you mostly that stuff is there to I guess explain the format rather, you know, like to, to sort of justify the setup in some ways, you know, before people have got familiar with the game. And then as time goes on, you just use it to hinge, um, other stuff around. So you use it to inform the new heroes that you build and, and, and why they've been added and which sort of parts of the universe they might come from, you know, that kind of stuff, because, um, you do need some sort of sense of internal coherence. And once you have a story that it all, you know, hinges around, then that's a way of doing that very easily. Like it might not matter at all to the people playing it, but as soon as you're tonally a bit off, then people can tell and that does disrupt the game. So it might be more that it's, it's a convenient framework for the developers yeah. to work within. Um, they've just merely discovered over the years that the framework is more restricting than they would have liked. Mm. So, yeah, they've just basically... Because the thing that um, interested me when I was reading it was like this political aspect, but they just never pursued that. It never led anywhere. It never did anything. Mm. And so, yeah, like I, I sort of wanted them to do more with it, but it seems like they've been thinking about that as well and have sort of gone i don't think we can you know let's try a different tack you know you know i think it's a real wasted opportunity really they have the league of legends player tribunal where players vote on other players who have been reported for bad behavior and ultimately render a judgment onto them Mm. and you know clearly there could have been a lot of fun to be had with dramatizing these various judgments they could make it super meta like you can be defended by five of your peers and if you fail this match you are banned from the game entirely wouldn't that be great that would be hilarious (laughs) but yeah um so newspaper just with court reports (laughs) Court gossip. It'll be like home, like where my mum leaves newspaper cuttings on my bed to tell me which like of my childhood friends are now sort of up on charges. Fantastic. Yeah, you could <laughs> So you're having the crossword things like a uh, 
17 down. What <laughs> X Sniper 76 called, uh, I don't know, 420 killer blazing. Mm. Uh, the answer to that is, of course, faggot cum dumpster. But uh, it's a tricky one. You have to remember the specific case. You can't really rely on just guessing the letters. Actually, that's a thing. I played, so I played some League of Legends, and the language, the communication between people in the game that I played was fine. Like, you know, people were sort of, you know, not really very talkative and whatever. It was when I then switched back to Dota that it was just like, I suddenly walked into like an avalanche of abuse. And that is, you know, like... I'm not going to say that either is representative of either community particularly. Like that, I think they're quite similar in mm. terms of you know the fact that you get some people who seem really nice and like forgiving or are just there to play a good game and then you know GTFO. But some people are like you know poisonous, awful, awful human beings to each other online and in the context of a game. And so I think both both. Uh, communities suffer with that but the day that I played um, I must say like Dota was the worst experience (laughs) yeah but Pips you were playing with me so honestly (laughs) that's true you were flaming so hard raging you were I'm so angry with everything I know right (laughs) I mean right do actually do a lot of work to try and make people behave yet better whereas Valve don't don't really That's do it. Not that much. No, they do a lot, but That's a um, lie. they take a different <laughs> approach. Okay, no, I, I just hadn't heard of it. I guess I, I guess I was extrapolating from the way Valve tend to behave everywhere else, which is just like not say anything. Wow. No, no, no. That's the, the way Valve behave everyone everywhere else is. Um, they do very careful, secretive data studies mm-hmm. and try and figure out secret ways to manipulate people, <laughs> and that's what they do in Dota too. They sort of, they'll suddenly have added something in a, in a patch that's just like, now you have to rate your teammates on their friendliness and their, like, cooperation and whether you want to play with them again. And, like, there are, uh, uh please tell me it options. makes all the people no one wants to play with, with each other. <laughs> there are, well, there are report options. There's, like, a low priority queue for people who, like, you know, who rage quit and things like that. Um, they do, you know, sort of issue bans and things for people who you know get a lot of reports and things like that it's just that they're not transparent about how they do that how they decide Mm. to do that like but if you've reported someone sometimes you'll get a notification in your inbox that just says um we've taken action against somebody that you recently reported um you know thank you for continuing to help us you know make the game a nicer place so they're definitely doing a lot of work in that way, but they're not in any way public about it. Whereas Riot do, you know, sort of, I think possibly as well, because um, Riot are trying to counter like a negative public perception in a very particular way. And so to be seen to be actively researching that stuff is a good way of well, you know, saying, I think you know, we're trying. Um, an important thing is that, by and large, uh, the top Dota 2 players tend to have very pleasant reputations. They seem delightful. People say nice things about them. Uh, whereas, in contrast, there have been several pro League of Legends players who have been banned for professional play and the game for being absolute shite bags. 
Yeah, and I guess a few like yeah, disciplinary. And when you have very high profile dickheads, um, you probably need to be a bit more outspoken. Yeah, I think you. It's, yeah, I, I can't think of an incident in Dota where they've had the same kind of issue. I might just be, you know, like, because I've only really been following it for a couple of years now, but I can't think of anything. Am I just, have I just blanked on something massively important and big? Um, I mean, it's partly that Dota doesn't really have any real formal player well, that's the punishment behaviour sort of thing. Well, the um, other thing is they don't have any formal structure either. Like, no. it's not that it has, like, a league in the same way. So it's not like people are sort of playing, you know, an entire year of, of matches sort of in, they're the, not in bound the public eye. And, by contracts as well. Well, I mean, they are, but not in the well, same To their teams. Way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like, there are incidents of people sort of saying things, I suppose, that they shouldn't have or, you know, off-colour remarks or, you know, whatever else. Like I love the phrase off-colour. It's brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, yeah, both both are definitely... Well, you have to, otherwise you just end up with a community that is thoroughly unwelcoming to newcomers and that that newcomers wouldn't want to be a part of. They would bounce off the game. It wouldn't be, you know, a viable prospect really uh, is that what did for Heroes of New Earth in the end basically uh, no what did it for Heroes of New Earth was that Dota 2 came out and it was Heroes of New Earth but made by Valve Fair enough. and made by Ice Frog yeah <laughs> so. so League of Legends uh, tried to do things different to Dota it's very clearly based on it but it has some ideas of its own and it went in an interesting direction um, Heroes of New Earth was let's copy Dota and then just make some different heroes. Mm. Uh, so a lot of Heroes of New Earth players actually transitioned to Dota 2. Like mm. you know, there's I think Fnatic's uh, Dota 2 team actually used to be a Heroes of New Earth team. Oh, okay. So and like you know, there there are just a a, a, f- a sizable number of former Hon players just sort of scattered through the Dota pro scene. Uh-huh. So yeah, I think that's fair about like, yeah, League did actually do sort of some interesting things and mm. made some changes and things like that, whereas other games have, have not necessarily done that. Cool. Alright, I'm not going to ask any more questions because I don't actually know anything about it because you might have guessed from the last couple of Thomas, <laughs> I beseech you, I implore you, Please tell me what have you been playing lately? <laughs> um, a couple of different things. I uh, I was uh, there is something I should mention actually, which is that last in the last podcast I said um, I'd been playing Invisible Ink and talked about how incredibly hard it was. And about two or three days later, they put out a patch that added an easy mode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, so my my opinion is now out of date. <laughs> I haven't actually played that much of it since the uh, easy mode was added, but uh, it... But you've beaten the tutorial, finally. <laughs> uh, the tutorial is actually very simple. It's as soon as you go into the first mission that it's just punishingly hard. Um, it, I, I think, uh, yeah, it, I don't know if maybe it could use a more gradual ramp-up 
Though maybe it does ramp up, maybe it gets even harder, I just don't know, because I'm not good enough to get there. Um, but yeah, no, the main thing, they changed um, just a couple of things, basically, which is like, they toned down the relentless timer a little and had guards stay unconscious longer, which is, uh, you know, it's, it's quite quite good work identifying the two, like, main points that put you under pressure and easing off them a little. But they did create it as an easy mode rather than moving down the normal one, so I think it's pretty clear that they want it to be really hard, and that's the point as far as Clay's concerned. Well, this is still the, uh, what, the first update since it entered Early Access? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, but it was, it's, it, yeah, very prompt responses. I think a lot of people said that it was maybe a little too hard. Um, but it's interesting. I'm still uncertain about the idea of a procedurally generated stealth game, to be honest. Um, partly because I, it's very easy to get a little bit confused and lost when there's no logic behind the levels. Like I was uh, playing one yesterday where I, the exit was behind a couple of locked doors and it never explained to me what, how, where I find keys or where that was so, or how to get that. If you know, if it was something, an object that's on a guard, if it's stashed somewhere in the level. Perhaps more a problem with the tutorial than with the procedural generation. That's true, but again, well, I don't know, because it could be that it's in some random location. Um, uh, perhaps. I'm, I'm a, a big fan of procedural generation. I've been playing an awful lot of procedurally generated things lately. Uh, I find it very delightful. But then I do also enjoy the times where procedural generation kind of glitches out a bit and throws out wonky things, and I guess that's maybe less than ideal in a campaign-based game. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm not against it in general. I'm just uncertain about it in this case. Um, I think it's partly because I was just sort of thinking for a second about other stealth games and how, you know, usually in something like Deus Ex or whatever, you think, okay, I, there's a key to get out the level. Obviously, this is in someone's desk or um, hanging around with the head guard or whatever. But with a randomly generated level, I have no frame of reference. It could be anywhere. Um, but uh, like I said, they're working on it, and they've you know, addressed my main problem right away, so that gives me a lot of hope. And it's still a really interesting game. I'm just glad there's slightly less pressure. <laughs> you say that you've only played a small amount of it since that patch. Are you keen to play more? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely going to go back to, some, uh, back to it now. Um, but yeah, I thought I should point that out for um, <laughs> considering I literally said it was too hard. And then immediately they changed it. After um, you slated it, after you <laughs> railed against it, after you slammed it publicly, you shamed it. Well, Isn't it funny that up- they turned around and then patched it? <laughs> That's the thing, I hadn't even uploaded the podcast when I changed it. Yeah. Uh, um, so yeah, I've been playing that. I've also been um, playing some uh, Broforce, uh, the delightfully named sort of destructible 80s um, movie um, stereotype. I was gonna, just going to say that I bounced off that game incredibly hard. Mm. Um, it's, I, I, yeah, I did not enjoy it or find it interesting. Mm. Which, um, in retrospect, is a very terrible thing to say at the start of someone explaining why <laughs> they enjoy something. 
But no, look, no. I don't do podcasts. I'm plan B. <laughs> no, we this need to shut this down get. before it gets out of hand. <laughs> this That's enthusiasm. Right. I've, uh, um, anyway, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, how, um, how did you play it, by the way? Because like, for me, it was basically just a thing that um, you put on with a bunch of us in the house and play together whilst drinking. And I suspect that is very much the way it's supposed to be played. Uh, I um, can really see myself sitting down to slowly to play it slowly and thoughtfully. I've played it both by myself and um, with some friends, but we did it in a cold, harsh, <laughs> judging, evaluating light. The light of give me ten seconds to impress me or I'm done with you game. I'm guessing during that ten seconds pretty much everything exploded. So and you know what? Maybe explosions aren't all they're cracked up to be. Controversial. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff we say on Not A Game Podcast. <laughs> you don't even look at them. You just turn around and put your shades on. Well, yeah, obviously. I've never actually seen an explosion because <laughs> I'm forever walking away from them. They feel hot, and I assume fire's involved, but it could also just be a hairdryer for all I know. I'm imagining you in shades leaping in slow motion away from an explosion in a sort of 80s action movie kind of Facebook profile picture kind of a way. Have we not done that before? I'm sure that's something we've done. We could do that when we're on holiday, I reckon. We should do that. Mm. It's probably easy to find a giant explosion in Kent. Dungeness Power Station, baby. (laughs) Let's go. So, Tom, do you have any public declarations of terrorism? <laughs> Next Look. week, people in ours will be in jail. <laughs> Nuclear winter. <laughs> Who would ever recognise us? Exactly. I'll be radioactive by then, so I will have superpowers. Mm. You will be six foot oh, yeah. tall. Mm. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, I also played the FIFA demo after reading the article. <laughs> The FIFA demo. Oh, yeah, that game. <laughs> uh, it's... Partly because I thought you were going to talk about it. Well, you know, play a lot of things. And if I'm invited to be on a podcast as a backup plan, well, I'm not going to make it easy, am I? <laughs> I'm totally watching um, a Dota tournament, by the way, in the background. <laughs> Are they still losing? They, they, were when they I was won. Like, really? Yeah, they won. Oh, they were getting smashed. No, they won. It was, uh, yeah, it was a close run thing, but yeah. <laughs> oh, bless so, um, yeah, uh, the Eurogamer um, the Dota tournament is having its, I guess, like qualifiers at the moment, um, and uh, my boyfriend's team is is competing, and they just won, which is nice. You can cut this out if you want, but. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you about how good my boyfriend is at Dota. He is is so good at Dota. (laughs) Yeah, Alice. (laughs) Tell me more about your boyfriend. (laughs) Um, Like, he's really hot. He's got a car. No, cut this bit out. He's got a a motorbike. He's got a cool motorbike. Not just a motorbike, it's a a cool one. Well, Pip, if you were my boyfriend, then you'd have a motorbike, but you don't. Okay, well, I'm going to have to start dating Alice. Well, do you have a motorbike? Because there are rules. I thought I'd get one. I thought the point of this was that I would get a motorbike. I mean, I think the point of this is that you very hurriedly in the 
hours immediately after leaving my flat for the first time at seven in the morning. I like to get up early, you know, and kick them out. Um, you then, in a panic, go to your bank manager begging for a loan to afford a motorbike. You and say uh, you afford a motorbike. Not a cool motorbike thing. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the thing is, like, so this anyway, speak for. Uh, <laughs> Should we just start this bit again? <laughs> no, I think we should. Oh. This is a good take, as we say in the podcasting business. Uh, so, Alice, tell us about the FIFA game you have been playing. <laughs> the FIFA game? Okay, so um, I played... What's a FIFA? Uh, FIFA is a... It's one of... Well, not one of the oldest, but I would say the longest running in terms of being actually active, the longest running real-time tactic series on on any platform uh ea have released them every year for 15 years now there's there's 15 of them the newest one fifa 15 is out soon and uh i've been having a look at what's new in this long-running tactic series i mean i i don't have the most familiarity with it but it's interesting, and I can definitely see why it's been so popular. It's very uh, thoughtful. You play... Well, it's kind of tricky. So, uh, I mean, it's only a demo, so they don't properly explain the law. But I believe the idea is that you're some kind of uh, hive mind or maybe AI or something. And you are downloaded into 11 different frames. That's your squad. That's your um, team. Team. Mm. I'm not sure. I think that's what they call it. So you're playing a summoner. <laughs> well, uh, and you have to control these so you different factions. You might kind of think that these different factions, they're from different um, geographical regions. So there's various areas of England, uh, also continental Europe. Um, But they're not really places that you would think of as being big political centres. But uh, So you're downloaded into these 11 frames and you're up against an opponent who also is spread across 11 frames. Um, Not war frames. Uh, God. I'm pretty sure from their expressions uh, that they're some kind of undead. they're, They're not clones they are visually distinct though they appear to be in practice pretty much the same Mm. um and it's what you're trying to do is you're trying to deliver it must be like league of legends because it's a very symbolic thing you're delivering like i was immediately i was thinking of the bombing run mode in the unreal tournament series Mm. which is about you have a bomb and you're passing it from uh player to player and trying to blow up the other team's base with it. Mm. And it's basically like that, except the bomb is, it doesn't go off. So the bomb is symbolic, which would suggest that this is a highly ritualized behavior, uh, whether it's just that the culture has developed beyond the point of the violence, or it is, as you say, perhaps some kind of wizard UN, but with men in shorts. Um which is what, like a beach UN? I'm not sure. 
But anyway, so you're attempting to get this uh, symbolic bomb into the other team's goal with your 11 frames. Mm. And you control one of them at a time, and you're like one of your subroutines, I guess, takes over handling the other 10. Okay. And one of the um, sides starts with the bomb, and they're kind of like they. So, first thing to make clear is unlike bombing run mode, there are no guns. There are only melee attacks. They are predominantly focused on kicks, though there are a few headbutts. And I'm not entirely sure on the rules, but... Are there any spells? Um, yeah, one of the 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 the, the guy that stands in front of the zone that the bomb has to go into, mm. he has a spell where he can wave his hands and everyone moves backwards. Oh, okay. So some kind of like a telekinesis, or I guess um, like Gravitron. Like a repel. Yeah, like a repulsor. Mm. I'm not yeah. sure. I'm not sure if it's magical or technological. Probably technological, given the state of the rest of the society. Though, mm. um, see, the weird thing is, so no, you know, it's really good. So they don't explain the high-level law and canon or all those things. They don't go, "Welcome to the world of footballania, <laughs> a land torn by conflicts." Mm. Where so they you have to like on the fields of justice, these noble warriors. But what they do a really good thing of is they like they drop you straight into this world and they immerse you in it. Uh, mm. They hold you down by the back of the head until you're just gulping in this world. Um, so each battle opens with an extended cutscene where these omnipotent deities, I guess. Um, in many ways, they feel like comedy and tragedy. There's two of them, and they commentate on everything that happens. They offer, or maybe Statler and Waldorf, I mean, who could say? But they offer um, insights and comments on the things that are happening, and they will give brief introductions to the two factions in this opening cutscene as uh, they run out of this dark mouth in a wall, lined okay. up. Uh, high-fiving and all of those sorts of things. And they'll tell you a lot about, you know, uh, past conflicts and other things of that nature. And it's really good. I mean, I really appreciate game worlds where they don't over-egg the, and this is this world where this thing happened at that time, and oh, you've got to learn the name of this wizard and that wizard and all of those wizards, and remember the name of that dragon, that's going to come in useful later. So they're just treating it like it's a legitimate concept from the get-go. Yeah, like it's perfectly natural. And mm. that is by far how I prefer games to do this sort of thing. Mm. I don't want to have to read shitty codex entries or anything. It's great. But it's confusing at the same time. Mm. But there you are. You're on this field of justice or this whatever the hell it is. And you're passing this bomb around from person to person, kicking it trying not to let the other people um, beat you and wrestle it from you. And ultimately, you have to kick it into the enemy's uh, goal zone or bomb zone or power core or whatever it is. And then you score a point. It must, yeah, it must be symbolic because their goal zone does not explode. So you have, like, all of this, you know, other people sort of controlled by your subroutines and whatnot mm -hmm. like can you play against other people like other people in a similar sort of situation to you other summoners 
Um, because it sounds like this would actually make a really good eSport. Um, it might be a bit too meta. I don't know. Oh, like, okay. there's a reason that League of Legends backed away from that sort of law. Mm. Um, and I'm not sure necessarily it would be. I think if League of Legends, arguably the biggest digital sport the planet has ever seen, thinks that's a bad idea, you shouldn't try to launch a new digital sport, which is very heavily steeped in that sort of thing. Fair enough. Yeah. But the competition is, yeah, if they could strip away the uh, law and canon and history and all of those things but up around it, there's a really fascinating core game going on there. It's about very careful zone controlled area denial, um, resource deprivation, like resources in the idea of their different like AI frames. And it's really fascinating, but I just don't think with all of the canon that's attached to it, it can take off. It's just, it drowns out everything that's interesting about it. Mm. Maybe FIFA 16 will will be the one to watch then. Maybe they'll reboot it. Mm. Yeah, that could work. Okay, well, I look forward to, I guess, seeing how it does. Seeing if it takes off. Um, I mean, they've been doing them for 15 years, so mm. I assume that some people must be buying. It must. There must. It must be one of those things, like with flight sims, where they it's like a hardcore dedicated yeah, audience. There is a just, small. Yeah. But incredibly hardcore audience who will always support it. Mm. Oh God, I wonder. So I was just playing um, on I tried keyboard and I tried with gamepad. But what peripherals must this hardcore group of enthusiasts have to play FIFA? Oh my God, do you think they're the ones that the Omni treadmill thing is for? It must be. Hmm. It must be. Hmm. That would be pretty cool. Maybe Oculus as well. I think that could... I don't know. Might be a bit confusing, because if you change, like, viewpoints so often, that, that think, could probably uh, be a bit of a But it would a be nightmare. very interesting from, a, a, like, a sympathetic character point of view to be suddenly shifting from frame to frame. I mean, that's exactly what the AI you're ostensibly playing goes through every second, so... It's one of the great things about games is that they can let you see different perspectives mm. and you see the world as an AI with 11 bodies sees it. Well, that would be in, like jarring. Maybe it'd be like a spider. You'd be a spider with like those weird sort of faceted eyes. Oh. No, that's flies, isn't it? Spiders just have multiple eyes. Spiders have eight eyes. Um, mm. Flies have composite eyes. Maybe it would be like having a composite eye. That would be... Yeah, that would be a, an odd sort of experience of of an objective. Well, anyway, mm. the power of video games. Mm. We'll see that when the rift takes off. Simply, that could be interesting. Mm. I think I'm slipping deeper and deeper into my husky smoking voice, and I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, yeah, I don't think I've been playing anything else. I mean, you know, it's hard to... I, I've I've been living in other people's houses through Sims 4. I seem to be being, sort of, having having my digital likeness How's that going, added by the way? I haven't various... kept up with the, uh, the many um, Sims streams that are out there. So, 
uh, on Debbie Timmons's uh, stream. Uh, Debbie Timmons from The Average Gamer and previously this podcast, I do believe. Um, she Episode has... 17, Game Pans. <laughs> <laughs> she has... Um, like dressed me all in green clothes and I've been breeding frogs on the porch, I do believe. Um that sounds so, about right, yep. sense, yeah. that's a thing that's happened. And in Chris Thurston's journo house I have become an astronaut. Uh so or or at least I'm going to astronaut school, enthusing about space, taking the bins out, you know, that kind of stuff. Um Everything so, yeah. is possible. Mm. And I think I, I think Paul added me to his house as well. And I don't, I don't know what I've done there. He hasn't told me, so I'm assuming, uh, maybe it's a source of great shame or, um, sort of awkwardness socially. So maybe I should just never find out about what happened there, really. But yeah, so I've sort of been gaming by just sort of turning up in other people's worlds and being told about it afterwards. You have become a driver type. Yeah, well, it's what I've always wanted, really. So, you know, that's that's fine by me. Actually, I meant to check, because on the EA, uh, on, on Origin, basically, if you want to share your sim across to somebody else and have them include it in their house or, you know, whatever, if you want to sort of make a particular character or, like, recreate a celebrity or something. Um, you can add it to, like, their online library of people. So I was actually going to check and see, like, whether anybody else had actually downloaded it, because I know that, um, obviously, uh, well, Chris shared it with me so I could actually see what I looked like. Um, are you saying you'd like to see how popular you are in relation to other virtual people? Well, the thing is, it's not really about popularity. It's about the idea that you would be downloading other people, real people, or versions okay. of them, now, to Pip, add to your house, which this sort is, of, yeah. This is a very interesting thought. However, <laughs> you're going away from the direction that I was hoping it would lead in. What, which was massive narcissism contests? No, I merely wanted to say <laughs> four words, and you're making it incredibly difficult. Now I need to make this a very belaboured point. <laughs> and listeners, I'm sorry for this, but... You're not sorry. If you were sorry, you wouldn't have got this far. Pip, I'm just trying to say four words. Will you stop interrupting me? Ooh, that's five. Top of the pits. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's fine. <laughs> good. <laughs> the creative system is actually really good. I, I especially because they basically gave away the demo to create for it. So even if you're not playing the game, you can still put virtual you out there for your friends. Mm. I played with the demo. I got frustrated because it had no good approximation for my haircut. I got angry with it for haircut-related reasons and also because I seem to be incapable of recreating a human-looking likeness <laughs> using it. Like, I just... Like, there's Pip, something what would you about... look like a, as a, terror for, a terrifying cyber avatar? <laughs> well, the thing is, I just look like a concussed fish trapped in a wig factory. So, you know, I... I can send you a picture actually, but um, essentially, like, it seems that. So, in real life, I actually do art, I do life drawing, I do, you know, things like that. And I sort of used to 
being able to recreate people in a certain way. But when it comes to the character creator, because you're like, it's kind of like you, it's not even with sliders, you actually grab bits of someone's face and manipulate them. And it just, it feels like, um, you know, in the video for Lionel Richie's Hello, you know, when you've got the, <laughs> the clay head and, and the woman is trying to, you know, manipulate it just by touch and things like that. And, and I can't do it. I just can't, you know? And so what I've ended up with is like, a clay mess rather than a, a, a clay head, which is I sad. I found the facial tweaking was a lot like being very patronising to friends who are only a few years younger than me. Yeah, it was so Pulling on like... their tweaks and cheeks and going, aren't you adorable? Look at you. Aww. Mm. I'm going to... Right, which so... Which I perhaps mean... Yeah. I'm going to put this link in, in, in our Skype chat. Sorry, listeners, you are going to have to either have it in... Um, <laughs> uh, in, in the, show notes, the link is https <laughs> colon forward slash forward slash twitter that's t-w-i-t-t-e-r dot com forward slash philippa war no spaces forward slash status Forward slash. It's a long number, Alice. Five zero five five one zero two two seven zero one eight eight zero one one five three. Forward slash photo. Forward slash one. And there you'll see Pip. I assume I haven't clicked on it. I mean, maybe it's something <laughs> obscene. <laughs> oh my god! It's really what? bad, isn't it? Like, I, I, the eyes went completely wrong. It doesn't oh, no. look like me. It's a, oh, it's a oh, no. fucking disaster. Um, Pip, that doesn't look like you. It doesn't even look like a person. <laughs> it looks, um, slightly dreamy. See, you can also mm. see Chris's one underneath that, which I think is the one that is now being... Yeah. Wow, that's a really nice avatar of your mother, Pip. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. <laughs> it looks like an actual person. Yeah, but Pip, you're a young, vibrant, funky, fresh person. That person, I don't see the resemblance. Really? Hmm. I think maybe, like, the fact that I have obviously been staring at the previous version <laughs> was, uh, you know... Has, has perhaps changed my uh, opinion of how I even look in the first place. But I don't know, like, it was, uh, like, it looks a lot closer to me than anything I could come up with. That's true, perhaps. <laughs> and I it's a lot nicer. <laughs> with any character creator, um, the extent that I'm willing to put time and effort into attempting to create my likeness is I will pick my hair colour, which they usually have, um, just some kind of ridiculous haircut which will stand as a proxy for my own ridiculous haircut. Uh, then I make sure it has high cheekbones, big nose and a big chin and then I'm like, well, that'll do because I can't be asked to spend more time than that and I will define my head and face by those four characteristics. <laughs> I don't know, I tend to, yeah, just go for, like, reddish blonde hair and, you know, that's usually as close as I can, I can get it. 
I'll add like a crown or something, you know, because of the aforementioned narcissism. Yeah. Um, and yeah, rampant ego. Uh, but other than that, it's, I don't know. It's not something that I have a natural ability with. Like, you know, like I say, I can, I can do like, charcoal drawings i just i can't use a character creator <laughs> but yeah oh man i can See, do I- it for other people probably because i spend a lot more time actually looking at them can you no is this a service you can lie. offer to friends no. listeners if you would like pip to make your likeness in the sims 4 please tweet at her or at us a photo of yourself along with the words please pip make me a sim <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right and then like th- but the caveat is by doing so you agree not to be offended or to sue me well no by doing on... so you agree to use that sim to play a game as that sim this is the deal Pip will make you, but you have to play as <laughs> Pip's interpretation of you. Well, hang on, no, because I don't think there's a way to send it to them without, like, origin and stuff. Can you not upload like them the... to the... Oh, yeah, I'd upload notes? it, and then they could just search for their name. Yep. Hmm. Yeah, that would work. Well, good, I'm glad we sorted this. Uh, right. Well, apparently I have a new job. <laughs> this is called... Um, engagement pip now i don't know if you know about podcasts and online communities it's important to make hang on we've managed whoever the hell this is we've managed to do the polar opposite of user generated content (sighs) what content generated users yeah hang on actually yeah yeah It's a new paradigm in <laughs> community management and web engagement. Mm, engagement, they've started calling it, by the way. Oh, well, this is some real brand illusion in action. Mm, yeah. Do we have any questions? Yes. <laughs> Willie Hung asks... Let me just find what he asks. Uh, he asks... Uh, Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. That's not what he asked. Tom, do you find that character creators accurately capture your magnificent stature? Do you find the upper limit of their height slider perhaps a bit too short? Definitely. Um, most the, most uh, character creation tools don't actually give you any kind of height slider. Everyone is exactly the same height. I think for things like The Sims, that makes sense because you otherwise you'd have like a whole heap of animations that just wouldn't work, what like hugs and things. I remember someone on, on one of the earlier Sims uh, tried to create me and uh, used a cheat to set uh, to change the height and set it to maximum, and I was basically three times as tall as the house. <laughs> that sounds about right. Mm. I found the question, you guys. I don't really care about that anymore. Well, I do. <laughs> Are there still some games today that you're willing to play without a guide or FAQ? I am attempting this with Fez currently. And the thing is, like, I think this is a thing that is different when you're reviewing stuff, because often if it's, you know, obviously if it's a new game, there aren't even going to be guides or FAQs. 
So, like, that's why sometimes with, like, puzzle games, you get a bunch of games journalists just being like, oh, God, <laughs> I really need to solve this thing. Mm. And I can't work it out, you know. Occasionally you get people emailing it, sure, like the, the famous Dark Souls email chain. Mm. Man, you guys. You reviewers unable to just enjoy games for what they are. It's unfortunate. I don't review games. I very rarely consult FAQs. I will only use it if a game is just pointlessly difficult and not in an interesting way. I actually really like um, walkthroughs and FAQs simply because they still use ASCII art, you know? They do. Like the, they do. I like going to look at them just because I like looking at the top, at like however they've done the <laughs> title, you know, however they've tried to oh, render, um, you know, the, the game like loading screen or whatever, the, the intro screen as as yeah with yeah text. like I I don't pirate games. I haven't pirated games since I was a student. I don't think, uh, but you know, I always download those cracks because those crack programs with their cool ASCII art and. Their sweet MIDI music, yeah. <laughs> I'm into those. Mm. But yeah, so like, actually I don't use guides and FAQs. Like, I mean, I've sort of done the modern equivalent, I guess, which is having some friends on Skype as I play something that they're then watching on Twitch. Well, it's, it's a strange yeah. question because it assumes that looking at guides and FAQs is the default. Like, the question is, well, I mean, you, the question assumes that for almost everything, you will still use FAQs. When did that happen? I had great fun fucking up Dark Souls endlessly live on camera. <laughs> well, it depends what kind of games you play. I mean, I could, I could imagine if you're very into competitive multiplayer games, then. Not so much guides, but you'll be constantly, you'll be reading up on a lot of things. You'll look up, like, you know, skill builds or why people use them or, like, mm. you know, you'll look at discussions on Reddit of the current meta or, you know, whatever else. But for storytelling games, like, I guess usually it feels like if you need the FAQ, then maybe the game's done something wrong or you haven't understood something about the game. Like sometimes it's, you know, if you're not thinking in the right way about a puzzle and it's it's causing you more frustration than it's worth. Um, but I used, to, I used to use them a lot when I was younger because I was really compulsive about seeing everything. I didn't, I didn't want to play for another couple of hours and then find out that I'd missed the cool secret thing, um, which is something I've gradually gotten over as I've gotten older. I sort of used them sometimes once I'd completed it, uh, once I'd finished a game to then complete it. Like, so I could go back through and, and see what I'd missed in the areas that, that I'd already finished in terms of, you know, story or in terms of other things, you know, and just go back and get, you know, the collectibles and stuff. But I tend not to really do that anymore. Like, I don't, I don't remember the last game I tried to, oh no, it was Animal Crossing. I tried to 100% Animal Crossing. I think it's uh, important to bear in mind that at the end of the day, all knowledge is fleeting, all flesh is transitory, and ultimately, none of this really matters. So My flesh is permanent. Hey. You're going to find I that out. I feel like there's been a strange transhumanist theme to this podcast. I have perma-flesh. Do you? Yep. Well, we're going to find out 
in yep, Kent, aren't we will. they? Yep. With an explosion. Yep. I don't think that's how nuclear power plants ex- do, but especially sort of decommissioned ones, but that's fine. <laughs> we just have to we'll work this out. You're going to ride your cool motorbike up the inside of the cooling tower. Oh, like we're going to have to decide on a motorbike as well. Oh, God, this week suddenly got a lot more complicated and expensive. It's worth it. <laughs> um, none from my end, none from this week at least. Um, I know there were some that we lost the previous week, but... Um, Yes, uh, unless Alice, you have any questions, personal or uh, you know, or, or from others. I, I'm not even sure what you're asking. Right. Well, in that case, <laughs> shall we say goodbye? Bye, everyone. <laughs> goodbye. See you real soon. This has been fun. <laughs> <laughs>